back to the David Glenn Show. Bob McKillop of Davidson live in 60 minutes as our coaching bracket analyst of the day. Barry Sferluga was there as Bryce Harper returned to Washington. Last night as a member of the Philadelphia Phillies, Barry joins us live in hour number three as well. Carolina Hurricanes team captain Justin Williams is trying to get the Canes back into the playoffs. Has a home game tomorrow night. Justin drops by live in about 30 minutes. And joining us now, I actually had a different introduction for Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. I was going to say he's covering his 30th Final Four this weekend as two games take place in Minneapolis, some of them involving teams we know very well, UVA, Auburn, and Michigan State against Texas Tech. But instead, I have to say, I believe contractually at this point, He's the guy who last year not only correctly predicted who would be playing in the national championship game, he told us who would win it. He is from the Sporting News and a Hall of Famer. Find his work at SportingNews.com. Follow him on Twitter at TSN Mike. Welcome back, my man. How are you? Yeah, I'm not going to be going for a repeat performance there. No, no, but we don't like or respect you any less. I saw, <laughs> I saw a tweet, man. I really wish I could just almost... I could just carry Mike DeCourcy around with me in the flesh when I see or read some of the most ridiculous, indefensible, ignorant takes on one-and-dones in college basketball. So I'm going to turn you loose on this. Somebody tweeted, and he's not alone, the NCAA tournament is actually more fun without the one-and-dones. And wait, there's more. The basketball is better without them. And that G League, the minor league of the NBA, is really going to flourish once we let these kids go straight there out of high school. Take it away, Mike DeCourcy. What is wrong with those bullet points? Well, it starts with the fact that one is expecting me to believe that the 2019 NCAA tournament would have been better with Zion Williamson out of it. Now, in what way would it have been better? One, I mean, let's be honest. Zion's presence and his excellence gives everybody somebody to not like. I mean, even if you even if you like Zion, and there are some who will grudgingly, uh, some of the Duke haters will grudgingly admit that he's pretty cool. But even if you you know even if you you still want you know you still have the people out there that want them to lose and live for that. And so you have that element. Then, the, then you have the element of him. Okay, I was at the, I was at the, uh, the UCF game, and then of course I watched the next two on television from DC. And I don't know how many times, maybe six to eight times, he did something that made you lose your breath. Yep. I'm not, and that's not. A, I mean, that's a conservative. Essence. He did things that if you love the game of basketball, and if you've watched the game for years, however long, you know, you're, you're, for me, it's, you know, it's almost 50 years for others. It's, uh, you know, 20, 10, whatever. But if you've watched the game for any length of time at all and have any understanding of human athleticism, you're seeing things that just people don't do. And so you take that off the stage and how do you make it better? You know, I have these people arguing about what college sports is supposed to be. And I ask them a simple question. Did you watch the D2 championship last Saturday? It was on TV. It was on CBS. It was right there for you to watch. I don't get many yeses on that. I watch. I love the game. Uh, but, uh, you know, people who act like th that there's somehow something wrong with having the best young prospects in college, it's, it's preposterous to, to, to make that case. And uh, there's, this, there's this fantasy 
that if you end the age limit rule, that from that point on, then everybody's going to college and staying for three or four years like they used to in Chris Weber's day or, uh, or Penny Hardaway's day or, or Alonzo Mornings or who, whoever. And if you want that back, what you have to get rid of is the rookie salary cap. Because then maybe guys then, – then you'll be looking at trying to get big contracts. And to get a big contract, you got to be ready to play. Instead of going in, you know, doing the DeAndre Ayton thing, where you're doing your best and you're averaging 17 points and 10 rebounds, but you can't change your team. Your team still loses 60 games. Even though you're, you know, you're the number one overall pick and your numbers say, I'm not playing badly, but your team still stinks. Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News, I knew you'd have a whopper for that, and you only hit one or two of those bullet points. I respect that because we have some other things to get to. Find Mike's work at SportingNews.com. He's also all over the Big Ten Network on Twitter. He is at TSN Mike. We get the question, and I saw you tweet about this in the Kentucky context. You know, why doesn't Roy win even more? How did he only get to the Sweet 16 as a one seed? Uh, why doesn't Kay win even more? How did he get uh, eliminated in the Elite Eight with all that NBA talent? And I saw you tweeting in regard to somebody who had done some research on, you know, why doesn't John Calipari have more than one NCAA title? with the Wildcats, even as he has a bunch of other March Madness success. What's your bottom line as a guy who has watched this stuff for 50 years? Well, the bottom, the bottom line is they can't all win. Um, but there are particular things that you could pick out about any of the performances that you just mentioned. You know, uh, Zion and, and RJ turned it over too much on Saturday. Uh, the moment wasn't too big for them, but they didn't play their absolute best. Uh, and some of the other guys didn't play well at all. Uh, but I don't think there was anything strategically wrong with, with what Duke did. And even, you know, like the, the, what you get down the stretch, okay, well, why didn't Zion touch the ball more? Okay, well, first of all, the ball was in the hands of, of a player who is very well equipped to do good things with it. Zion did score with about a minute before he left, so it's not like he did not touch it. Uh, and R.J. drew a foul that got him to the line with a chance to make two free throws and tie the game with, what, eight seconds left? Yeah. So it's not like it was a disaster. It, he just didn't make the shots. Uh, and so, I, you know, there's that. You know, Carolina, I thought, honestly, that they, they took a flawed approach to the Auburn game. I went in saying, don't play fast. That's, that's the only chance Auburn has is if you play fast. I know you play fast. Don't play fast because they can't play slow with you. They can't guard you. They can't guard Luke May and Cam Johnson and, and – and, uh, and Kobe White down, going downhill. They can't. But if you play end-to-end, I know it's who you are, but if you play it that way, they can play that way. And it, and it didn't work. Uh, so, you know, there are different things. And, and then, you know, in, in Kentucky's case, I thought that that some of, the, for, for some of their guys, the moment was too big, uh, which was shocking because some of those same players were brilliant in the Sweet 16 game with, that was life or death in the final Five minutes. They weren't brilliant end to end, but in the final five minutes, when it was, you know, on the line, they were terrific. And then those same players went out against Auburn with the final four staring them in the face and couldn't cope. And even at that, I thought that John Calipari stuck too long with uh, with Reed Travis. Uh, they were getting beat at the rim in that game. Now they went into that game as all teams that play Auburn do, worried about what will Jared Harper and Bryce Brown do from deep first. Well, you saw that in the Carolina game. They, they didn't shoot the ball that well uh, against 
against Kentucky, but they kept getting the ball to the rim, and Reed Travis is not equipped to take it back. And they left E.J. Montgomery and Nick Richards on the bench while the ball flowed to the rim, and, and they paid for it. So th- there, are, there are things that any of those coaches could have done differently, and, and, and they might come back, you know, like if they heard what I was saying, they might say, yeah, but, and they probably have great, yeah, but. But it, the reason uh, they, they don't all have more championships than they do is that it's one of the hardest championships to win because you get so many different varied opponents. Your players are younger and less experienced than, than you might be dealing with, even in college football. Uh, because of you know the, the the NFL's age limit rule is much more restrictive than the NBA's. Given what you just described there, when you look forward to Saturday night and Michigan State will be favored over Texas Tech, Virginia will be favored over Auburn. Obviously, the Cavaliers not only love to slow people down, you know they might be better at it than anybody else. Uh, should I assume you like the Cavs over the Tigers? And then what do you think of the other matchup? Yeah, you know, I, if you if you said okay, you know, you know, whatever money that you feel like is really going to hurt to lose, and you could put it on either of the games, you know, I the the the, the amount that you, you know the, the money you'd want to put is on Virginia to me. I, I know the spread the spread is greater, and I don't know whether they'll cover it or not. But it, it, to win, I think Virginia is a much more comfortable bet. To, because I think they know how to play this game, and I, I think they know. I think they know exactly what to do uh, with Auburn. Now it won't be easy. I mean, Carson Edwards showed uh, that you. You know, there, there's always the option for a guy like Jared Harper, and he's done this. He did it uh, a couple of times to Kentucky in their game at Auburn. If you're going to take away 20 feet or 21 or 22, that's okay. He'll go back to 25, 26, 27. It really doesn't make that much of a difference to him. I mean, he's about as accurate from back there as he is from twenty from twenty one. It 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 it's you know it it really doesn't make a difference. Now, uh, it makes a difference in how you get into your shot, and also makes a difference in you know where the rebounds go and all that when you don't make it. But I, I Carson Edwards showed, they got a lot of criticism for not guarding Carson, and Carson was basically coming down with the ball in his hands, and that's the hardest thing to deal with. And and as Steph will do now, you know. You, if you're not paying attention, boom, it's in. And it, wait, that was 30 feet. What are you doing? Well, your car, you know, you're Trey Young, you're Steph Curry, you're, you're Jared Harper, you're Carson Edwards. You can do that. And it, wor- it can work. Now, I mean, it's unconventional, but it can work. And, if, and, and there's no way I could see Auburn winning this game unless they do some unconventional things and do them well. Mike DeCourcy joining us. He's covered his 30th Final Four this weekend. Sportingnews.com is where you can find his work. The Hall of Famer from that fine website, at TSN Mike on Twitter. We have been talking about Buzz Williams to Texas A&M today, and I know you've been around long enough to remember all of these examples. If you go back two-plus decades, it is pretty darn rare for the ACC to lose a basketball coach that it wanted to keep. In other words, there's always firings and dismissals and resignations and retirements. But you had Rick Barnes being hired away from Clemson to Texas in the late 90s. You had Buzz from Virginia Tech to Texas A&M, official today. Jamie Dixon left Pitt for TCU three years ago. And then there's one a lot of people forget. Oliver Purnell had Clemson on a roll three straight NCAA tournaments it was, I think, and DePaul threw some money at him and took him to the Big East. So we're talking four examples in almost like a quarter century. As you see it, is it mainly 
these guys leave because it's more money and a better job? Is that the bottom line? Because, heck, Jimbo Fisher had, in football had a great job at Florida State, but when A&M backed up $75 million guaranteed and some great facilities and other things, uh, the money plus the opportunity was too much to say no to. You know, I think the first thing that you have to realize is you're going back 25 years, and you know as well as anybody, Dave, that the ACC of today is not the ACC of 25 years ago. And that's a big part of it. It's not, ex- it's not an exclusive club anymore. It's a big club. Yeah. There's 15, 15 programs in it. And that 15 can be, you know, that can be daunting, especially when you start with who is one and two. You know, people say, why would you want to leave Virginia Tech? It's a better league. Why is it a better league? Well, you got Duke and Carolina. There you go. <laughs> there you go, right? I mean, do I want to have to deal with those two every year? Uh, you know, I, I, maybe the landscape changes uh, within the next decade. Uh, gosh, we may, you know, K may coach till he's 80, uh, and Roy may be right behind him. Who knows? Uh, but I, I, I suspect that, uh, that when, whenever those two gentlemen decide that they've coached enough, that the, the programs that they'll vacate will still be in good hands and still be formidable because they've been, you know, Duke has been formidable for 50 of the last 60 years or, or 50, you know, 55 of, you know, 55 of the last 62 years or something like that. Most of it with K, but also, you know, late Vic Dubas yeah. and some of the, some of the foster teams, uh, they had some great basketball through that. Um, and then of course, Carolina, you know, Dean to, you know, the, the, the couple tough years, and then, and then Roy. So that's been, you know, that's basically been my entire lifetime. So, uh, you know, and then before that, you, before I was even born, you, you had McGuire in 57. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, they're, they're not going anywhere. So if you have an opportunity to go somewhere else that's going to, you know, maybe give you better access to elite talent and maybe not you're not suffocated as much by those two powers, I, I don't see why you wouldn't do it. I mean, if you – like you go to the SEC and Kentucky's the same, but there's only one of them. Yeah. And that makes a difference. When you look forward now, and we've been playing the game where, you know, we could rank the ACC football jobs one through 14, and Virginia Tech, it wouldn't be number one in football, but it would be toward the top. And if we yeah. ranked the ACC basketball jobs one through 15, Virginia Tech is close to the bottom before Buzz Williams got there. It might be a slightly better job given what he has done the last five years. Uh, but looking forward, I've seen Kevin Willard of Seton Hall, Kelvin Sampson's names thrown around, Mike Young of Wofford, who grew up in or has roots in Virginia uh, and a guy you know incredibly well Mick Cronin of Cincinnati I know you wrote about uh, the wisdom of Cincinnati sort of locking him down with a better contract extension Whit Babcock the current Virginia Tech AD as you know used to be Mick Cronin's AD at Cincinnati what what just what do you think out loud on on that whole picture there because uh, I'd expect you to have a chance to be like the guy who breaks this kind of story well, you know, I, I will say, first of all, that one of the things that makes it a better job than it had been is Whit Babcock. This is another thing you know well, Dave. One of the smallest clubs in all of America is the club of good ADs. Yeah. And it, is not a, it is not a vast number. Uh, whether you want to define Division One as 353 or 128, I mean, it's not a high percentage of Whit Babcocks out there. And so the opportunity to work with him is going to be a lure. And you know, I know that Mick and he uh, had a great relationship. I think they worked two and a half years together yeah. before we got the Virginia Tech opportunity. And I know they have a great relationship. 
Um, whether that's the right fit for Mick, I, I think that's something that he has to establish. Uh, and, and you know, and whether that's what he wants to do. I mean, remember he is a he is a Cincinnati native. Yeah. Went to UC, um, and, and his family, you know, his, his father and his brother still live there. His sister, um, and they're close. And so I don't know whether you know. I, I think that uh, UCLA. I don't know if that's done. Done. Uh, Jamie Dixon seems to be. Uh, what the buzz is right now. I don't know if that's done. I'm surprised, honestly, that that's the way they're going, not because Jamie's not terrific, which he is, but because he's got a monstrous buyout. Um, I think $8 million from what I've been told. Uh, so I'm surprised that they're going in that direction, but, uh, or if indeed they are. Uh, so, but I know that uh, UCLA was, was highly appealing uh, to him, and whether Tech would be or not, I can say that you can see that, you know, in, in, almost in a sense, I can see the hand of, of Mick in the buzz about Kevin because he and Kevin are close from their time working with Rick. Yeah. Uh, Rick Patino at, at Louisville. They were co-assistants in early Patino at Louisville, like 2001 to 2003 or 2000. I think that was the, the time that Mick was there before he left for Murray State. So uh, I think the fact that Kevin is the buzz says a lot about, you know, uh, that, that he probably, you know, if Mick's not interested, that, you know, he gave a good tip to, to Wit to look into that. He's Mike DeCourcy, SportingNews.com, and on Twitter at TSN. Mike, have fun in Minneapolis. Thank you, as always, for carving out some time for the David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Pleasure. You got it.